continue on with this series on Hebrews. Uh, before we start, let me pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we pray now as we hear from your word that your spirit uh, will convict us of our need for repentance and also convince us of the truth in that we know we have complete forgiveness in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. I forgot to get the clicker. Does someone have the clicker? No? Okay. Thank you, Les. Nope. Okay. Doesn't work this time. It was working last week. All right. Pearly, you just have to listen very carefully, all right? <laughs> okay. All right. First slide. So, uh, this is just to show you, I, I work part-time as a pharmacist. So, uh, as I used to work in a community pharmacy, so I do a lot of um, uh, interaction with the customers. They'll come to the counter and they'll ask me uh, about their diseases or their illnesses and they'll ask me for medications. They will ask me like, hey, is this, gonna, is this definitely going to work for my headache? Uh, is this definitely going to work for my cold? Uh, is this definitely going to work for my rashes? Is this gonna <laughs> definitely going to work for, for the constipation? Uh, so I get all sorts of cre uh, questions. Um, and now as a pharmacist, you know, I, th there's all these studies about all these medications, the evidence that they will work, um, but they, they, they're never going to always be 100% effective. So I can't tell them, yes, this is going to 100% work for you. So I usually just tell them, you could give it a try. Uh, you know, if it doesn't work, just come back, or you can go and see a doctor. Uh, so I can't give them the 100% guarantee. And I think you guys uh, probably know this as well. When you go see a doctor or when you, when you need to do a surgery, uh, you need to sign a form to say that you, you accept the risks that are going to be involved. It's not going to be 100% guarantee that nothing will go wrong. Um, and it's, 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 gonna, it's, it's very discom uh, discomforting to hear that because especially if you're suffering from a debilitating illness and, and you know that there's not going to be 100% guarantee that, uh, that the surgery won't go wrong or that the medication might not work for you. And we all want to have certainty. We all want to have this 100% guarantee, especially, especially if your life is at stake, right? Now, what, happens, wha what about what happens after you've died? Next slide. Uh, some of you know my grandma just passed away last Saturday, and I had to. I, I flew back on Sunday. I finally just got back on Thursday, um, so I went back and attended the funeral there, and it was very confronting. You know, just seeing the coffin there, it just reminds you that life is short, and uh, and death just stares right in your face. And when that happens, how do you know? How do you know what comes next? after you die? How do you know what comes next after you die? Well, in today's passage, the writer actually lays it up for us in verse 27 that we all have to face the judgment of God when we die. He will scrutinize our life and it will put us under his microscope. And, it, and I think if you just think about the last 24 hours, even the last week or 
last year, you, you probably can find faults within yourselves. And if you can find faults within yourself, how much more than a God who made us? So we all will face the judgment of God. So then the question for us is, how can we have a 100% guarantee that we are right with God? How can we have a 100% guarantee that we are right with God? Is there a perfect guarantee? Well, the writer of Hebrews says to us today, yes, there is a 100% guarantee, and that guarantee comes by the blood of Jesus. So I'm going to talk about three things about the blood of Jesus. So firstly, the blood of Jesus gives us a 100% guarantee because it cleanses our sins. Because it cleanses our sins. Now, it's weird when you think about it. Uh, if you have blood on your shirt, uh, you, you don't say, hey, look, I'm so clean. Look at, look at, look at, my, look at the blood on my shirt. Uh, you, you try to wash it away, right? But the blood of Jesus make us clean? That, that doesn't make sense. That's a bit weird. What to understand is we've got to understand uh, the Old Testament. We've got to understand how the old system works. And you see, back in Jewish religious system, blood was necessary for ceremony cleansing. And if you remember last week, Desmond talked about this tabernacle. And in that tabernacle, there's, uh, there's, uh, there's the most holy place. Uh, that's where the Ark of Covenant is. And that's where the presence of God dwells. And once a year on the Day of Atonement, the high priest, he will present this sacrifice. Next slide. He will present this sacrifice uh, uh, to ask God for forgiveness on behalf of the Israelites. And in order to go into the most holy place, in order to approach the most holy God, he needed to cleanse himself. And the way that he does that is to sacrifice an animal. Well, why does it have to? Why does it have to involve blood? Why does it have to involve sacrifice? Well, I think it's just a way to show that how graphically, how, how serious, gra uh, graphically, how serious is sin. That sins need to be punished. That sin is, needs to be judged. But God provided a substitute for them, that an, an, an innocent animal. And then the priest, all he needed to do is just to put his hand on the animal to identify with the animal, to establish so solidarity with the animal, and and then the substitute animal would just die in his place and die for his sins. So when we read about blood in Hebrews, in the book of Hebrews today, it means death. And it's actually a v not just death, but a violent death. So that's, that's the old system. That's how the Old Testament works. But how does Jesus fit into all this? Well, when Jesus came, he, he's like the priest who presents the sacrifice. But instead of presenting a sacrifice, an animal sacrifice, he presented himself as the sacrifice. So verse 12, he did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. Well, that's an extraordinary thing to say that Jesus, the Son of God, gave himself up, sacrificed himself for the sins of the people so that they can be cleansed. And not only that, his sacrifice doesn't, his sacrifice doesn't just cleanse us outwardly, but it cleanses us inside out. Verse 13, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean, sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more 
then with the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death, so that we may serve the living God. So the old sacrificial system only makes you outwardly clean, but Jesus' sacrifice makes us clean from the inside out. And it doesn't matter how terrible your sin is, how, 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 how the sin has been bur- burdening, burdening your conscience, how long it's been troubling you, how long it's caused you so, uh, so much anguish, how, how far you feel from God just because of this. Well, Jesus wiped the door away that now you are clean. You know, a few years ago, I'll just show you next slide. This is me. Uh, so I went on a short-term mission trip to Nicaragua in Central America, and uh, I was a pharmacist, and this is the other pharmacist. That's the pharmacy. And we went to s- Nicaragua in Central America to provide medical help to, uh, to uh, sex trafficking victims. And all of the women there have been through horrific, horrific time of selling their own body uh, for the for the benefits of the traffickers. And some of them, they, they, they've been rescued and they, they're going through a rehab uh, w- um, with a Christian organization. And uh, I, I, I've been there and I remember one of them sh- share her testimony. And she said, I, every day I feel, I, feel, I feel dirty, I feel unworthy, I feel shameful about my own body, that no amount of showers can make me feel clean. But I'm glad that I met Jesus, that his, his sacrifice is on body to make me clean, his own blood. And she knows that she's really clean, not just outwardly, but from the inside out, that she's accepted by God, that her sins have been completely forgiven. Now, if you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, do you see yourself this way? Do you know how God sees you? Now, if you look at the next slide, it's supposed to be blank, but something happened there. But it's supposed to be all blank, all white, spotless. And he says that you are clean and you are perfect. Your past, your present, and your future sins have all been forgiven. No, when he sees you, he doesn't see a great deal of wrongs. He doesn't see anything that ought to stop you to approach him with confidence. All he sees is perfection, spotless, just like he sees his own son, Jesus. Now, I was trying to think of an illustration to press this home even further, that I, I, I was going to ask you to think about uh, your greatest sin that you've committed but I, don't, I thought that I don't really need to do that anymore because if you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, you don't even need to give that sin a thought, not even for an instance, because the blood of Jesus has washed it clean. You know, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So the blood of Jesus can give us 100% guarantee because it cleanses our sin. Well, secondly, the blood of Jesus gives us a 100% guarantee because it seals the deal for us. It seals the deal for us. Um, Now, what do I mean by that? So, back in the Old Testament, God made a covenant with his people, Israel. And a covenant is like a deal. um, So, a deal uh, 
comes with consequences if you fail to keep your end of it. And the covenant says, if Israel obeys God, then they will be rewarded. And if they don't, they will be punished. And it's a bit like signing a rental agreement. You know, I just recently moved to a new place. Uh, you guys can come over if you, if you're free. Um, but you know, I, I had to, I had to sign to say that I agree to keep the place in a reasonable order, and I have to pay the rent on time. Otherwise, you know, I will get evicted, or I will lose my bond. But the consequence here for Israel, if they fail to keep the end of their deal with God, is death. And that's more serious. That's more serious than uh, breaking the rental agreement. And in order to make this deal effective, God says that you need to sign it with blood. And the writer here actually compares a covenant with, with a will from verse 16. In the case of a will, it is necessary to prove the death of the one who made it, because a will is enforced only when somebody has died. It never takes effect while the one who made it is living. That is, that is why even the first covenant was not put into effect without blood. So he said, just as you need the death of someone to make his will effective, you need the death of someone to make the covenant with God effective. And at, at that time, God made a covenant with a guy called Moses, and he's the guy who led Israel out of Egypt from slavery. And uh, if you look at the next slide, Moses had to sacrifice animals. He had to sprinkle blood on them. It's pretty disgusting. Like, Andre Gillet, we don't live in the Old Testament time. Um, but he, that, was, that was the way. You had to sprinkle blood on them and everything else in the tabernacle in order to be cleansed and in order to make the covenant effective. So verse 19, when Moses had pro proclaimed every command of the Lord to all the people, he took the blood of calves together with water, scarlet wood, and branches of hyssop, and sprinkled the scroll and all the people. And he said, this is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you to keep. And in the same way, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and everything used in its ceremonies. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So Moses sealed the deal with God with the blood of the sacrifice animals back then. And that was a requirement from God. And not only that, the deal that they had with God was that whenever they had sin, whenever they had touched anything unclean, whenever they were to approach God, they needed to sacrifice an animal to be cleansed. And that was that deal with God, uh, with Israel and God, was what we call the Old Covenant. Well, how does Jesus fit into all this? How does Jesus fit into all this? Verse 15, For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. So Jesus is the one who brought about the new covenant, the, this new deal that we have with God. And Jesus actually sealed the deal for us with his own blood, with his own death. And this new deal says that we can have complete forgiveness from God if we just trust in Jesus. That we can be set free from our sins if we just trust in Jesus. Now, we've all heard about many different deals being broken by either side of the party, right? 
uh, when someone doesn't keep their end of the deal, that's when conflict happens. That's when relationship happens. That's when uh, broken. Uh, that's when loss lawsuit happen. That's when the deal is off. And we all know how many times we've broken our end of the deal with God. Except this time, God bears all the consequences instead of us. And he did that by sending his one and only son, Jesus, to die in our place. That Jesus offers complete and full forgiveness of sin if you just trust in him. And this is 100% guarantee. This deal will never be off because it's sealed by the blood of Jesus. So the blood of Jesus cleanses us from our sin. It seals the deal for us. And lastly, the blood of Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice. The blood of Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice. Verse 23, It was necessary then for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these sacrifices. But the heavenly things themselves were better sacrifices than these. For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with human hands that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself now to appear for us in God's presence. Now, as I mentioned before, if you're a believer under the old covenant, for every sin that you committed, for every conscience that condemns you, you have to offer a new sacrifice. You have to go back to the temple. You have to go to the priest. You have to present a sacrifice animal. So you can only say, you can only know that you are forgiven until then. Well, who knows what's going to happen in the future. But the sacrifice of Christ, sacrifice that he offered, it's one that is permanent. It's forever. That he really took our punishment. He really, really took our sins on him. He really wiped away all of our sins. Well, how do you know, how do you know that Jesus' sacrifice was accepted? How do you know that God accepted his sacrifice you know, you can see, if you're a believer on the old covenant, you can see, oh, the priest took my sacrifice to the most holy place, and he came out. But Jesus died on the cross, and he looked like a criminal. How do I know that God is interested in his sacrifice? Well, on the day of atonement, the climax is the moment when the high priest went inside the most holy place with the sacrifice. And this holy place, the writer of the Hebrews calls it a sanctuary. sanctuary. And he's going on behalf of the, of the Israelites, and he offered the blood of the sacrifice of their sins to God. And you can just imagine people just waiting outside the tents, just waiting to see whether the sacrifice had been accepted. And if it was accepted, then they will be accepted by God. And the writer of Hebrews say, well, Jesus also went into this most holy place, the sanctuary. But this sanctuary was not made by human hand. This sanctuary is actually heaven itself, and that God is there. And Jesus is there right now to appear for us in God's presence. That he's our representative that, uh, but, and uh, our substitute. But has he been accepted? If Jesus was accepted, then we're accepted. Well, let's read verse 25, sees what the writer of Hebrews says. Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again, the way the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood that is not his own. Otherwise, Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world, but he has appeared once for all 
at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. So yes, Jesus is accepted by God once for all. You see the Old Testament high priest, they have to go back uh, uh, to the holy, most holy place every year. They leave and then they come back again and they have to keep sacrificing year after year and after year. But Jesus, Jesus went into heaven and he stayed there. And that showed that God has accepted him. That he hasn't been sent out to do another sacrifice. Why? It's because he is the ultimate. He is the ultimate sacrifice. You know, it's not as though that we commit a terrible sin and then God looked at us and he, he asked Jesus, Hey, Jesus, are you, are you representing these people? And then Jesus, yeah, yeah, I am. And then God said, well, you have to present another sacrifice again because this person had done it again. He's, he's committed that sin again. Well, that didn't happen. God didn't say that to Jesus. and didn't happen for 2,000 years. Never said to Jesus, hey, your sacrifice wasn't enough. And, if, and, and, and uh, if, we, if we look at verse 26 to 28, that it says that Jesus has appeared once for all to do away with sin by the sacrifice of, of himself. And just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. So Jesus only needed, needed to present himself as the, as the sacrifice once because he is the ultimate sacrifice. He is the ultimate sacrifice. Um, let's go on to the next slide. That's not me, uh, by the way, but this is some Asian kid who's very happy. But I don't know if you, if you remember when you were younger and your parents leave you in a car and they go shopping, uh, you know, and leave you in there for... Uh, uh, and. And, you know, while you're in a car, you look at the driver's seat and say, hmm, I wonder what it's like to be a driver. So I, I don't know if you've done this. I've done this myself. I hop onto the driver's seat while I wait for my parents, and then I'll be turning the wheel, pretending I'm driving. I'll be flicking the light. Uh, I'll be pressing the pedal, and I'll be uh, making some noise, press, pressing the honk. Uh, and, you know, I just, I just can't wait to that day that I actually drive in the car. And then when I turned 17, when I got my license, I was allowed to drive. I got into the car, I turned the wheel, I flicked the light, I pressed the pedal, pressed the honk. Only this time, it was way better because I'm the actual driver. I'm actually driving that I, uh, my time in the car seat when I was younger was anything but a shadow to me being the actual driver. And Jesus, Jesus, when he came and offered sacrifice, he entered God's presence. Only this time, it's way better. His sacrifice is accepted once for all. He's the ultimate sacrifice. He doesn't need to keep repeating it anymore. So the sacrificial, sacrificial system in the Old Testament is anything but a shadow of Christ's ultimate sacrifice. And not only that, we don't need to fear or be anxious when we face the judgment of God when we die, but we can come before God with hope and confidence because verse 28 says that Jesus will appear a second time not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. The blood of Jesus 
the blood of Jesus really gives us a hundred percent guarantee that we can be right with God because it is the ultimate sacrifice. So what does what does all this mean for us today? What does all this uh, mean uh, that we know about all this uh, about the blood of Jesus? Well, if you're here today and if you if you're not a Christian, uh, my question for you is: Have you accepted Jesus? as your substitute, as your Lord, as your Savior? Do you know Jesus that you think about waiting for him to come back to bring salvation for you? You know, you might have heard a lot about him. You might come to church for a long time. Uh, you, you, uh, you might be forced by your parents to be here. Or you might be, this is, might be your first time here, and this is the first time that you heard about Jesus, or uh, you've heard about what Jesus has done for you. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter who you are, right here, right now. I'm asking you. I'm asking you right now. Are you hundred percent guaranteed or assured of your standing before God on the day of judgment? Do you know that you are right with God? Do you have that assurance? Have you spoken to God? Have you spoken to Jesus and admitted your sin? That your sin means that you deserve to be punished, to be judged. Do you believe that Jesus died for you on the cross? that he really can remove all your sins once and for all? Have you asked him per personally to forgive you, to be your Lord and Savior? Can I urge you not to leave this any longer? Uh, please do come and talk to me or Andrew after the service or your friend who brought you here. And you know, when I was back in Malaysia, I said this at my grandma's funeral. Um, they asked me to do a eulogy last minute, um, like two minutes before. And, and you know, I, I was just like, okay, I'll, I'll do it. And, um, and, and I know like half of my family aren't Christians and half of them are. So I just went up there, I, just, uh, I said a few things about my grandma and then I just ended with, life is short, whether you accept it or not. Uh, we're all marching towards the grave. One day we will all die. And you never know when that day will come. So make sure that you are right with God right now. If you're a Christian here today, well, this passage today is just a great reminder of the gospel. It's a great reminder. So, uh, and, and I think we need to keep reminding ourselves of that. Sometimes it's easy to forget that. We need to keep preaching the gospel to ourselves. You know, we know the truth about what Jesus has done for us. We know that our sins have been completely forgiven, but sometimes it doesn't feel that way. It doesn't feel like that. And, and I know sometimes even for me, past, my past sins still haunt me, and even the sin I'm struggling with, it can make me doubt about the forgiveness I have in Jesus. Sometimes I feel like, oh, there's no more forgiveness left in God for me because I keep doing the same thing. He must be fed up with me. I can't possibly be a Christian because of this. Well, the writer of the Hebrews is telling us today, hey, remember, remember the blood of Jesus. Remember that he has cleansed all of your sins. That the blood of Jesus has done it all, that there is nothing more that he could do. So rather than, rather than listening to the voice in your head or condemning yourself, preach the gospel to yourself. You know, listen to yourself less, but talk to yourself more. 
And for me, the best way to do that is just to uh, know your scriptures, to memorize scriptures. And one of my favorite Bible passages in the Bible is Romans 8. You know, it starts with, there is now no more condemnations for those who are in Christ Jesus. And then it ends with, nothing can ever separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Or you could uh, remember this passage that we have today in Hebrews 9, that Christ, the blood of Jesus, has cleansed us. And whenever you have those time of times of doubt, you can always just recall these verses. And, and for me, I, I know that it gives me great assurance and to know that I am forgiven. So if you trust in Jesus, you can have a 100% guarantee that you are right with God. God now sees you perfect just as he sees his own son, Jesus. And what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you for your generous love for us and that you are willing to give out your son to take our place. We pray, Lord, that uh, you help us to be reminded of our forgiveness that we have in Christ. And that will give us hope and confidence as we approach you, as we wait for you to come back. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.